0: They need marketing. Wow! They
1: think that if they have something, the world will come yeah. to them. And <laughs> most of those companies.
2: Hello, and welcome to episode 152, the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I'm your host Ian Truscott. I'm no rockstar, but on this weekly podcast. I chat with the true rock stars, my fabulous guests and chums that I've met on my journey from techie to CMO and share the marketing street knowledge that will inspire your inner rock star. If you can't say hello, you can find links to me, my guests and all the things we talk about in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com, also in our new Beat newsletter and we are proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. Saturday the 4th of February, thank you for joining us, I hope you've had a good week and you are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week in the marketing studio, Jeff Clark and I experience Groundhog Day with a marketing lament of doing more with less, I go backstage with a wonderful Izzy House to talk about space marketing and I wind down the week, sadly without Robert Rose, in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar as I screwed up our schedule. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back.
0: We'll be right back.
2: You may know you're listening to this
1: show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Hyler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy.
2: Time to drop by the marketing studio for our weekly dose of marketing street knowledge with Jeff Clark, our resident Rockstar CMO strategy advisor and former research director at Forest. Ian, come on into the studio. Thank you very much. Welcome to Rockstar CMO FM. Jeff, how are you?
3: I am doing uh, doing wonderful. <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. We are uh, have a nice sunny yet crisp chilly day here in uh the, in new england oh, and um hope to get out for a walk later on today
2: lovely well there you've been i can't remember i think because the weather's been so miserable we've kind of avoided it as our first weekend, <laughs> exactly right? <And> so, it's, <laughs> so it's lovely that you've brought it back yes uh it wasn't too bad here either we're um we're experiencing some milder weather but it was a little bit of blue sky so again I like to take a daily walk as well. So I know it's later here than it is there. So it's getting dark yep, now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's be quick so let's... you can get out for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I've done mine. I, I go. I go at lunchtime, and that's when that's my podcast listening time. So awesome. Uh, awesome. That's uh, yeah. I always try and walk for an hour a day. If uh, anybody's interested in that, <laughs> recommendation for all marketers. <laughs> yeah. I oh, know it's good for your mental health. Apparently, absolutely. <laughs> and the feet and the legs it doesn't yeah it doesn't seem to be helping but it's supposed to be good anyway so (laughs) so um this week uh jeff uh we are reacting to what we're seeing a lot of at the moment which is sadly there are a whole bunch of layoffs in tech companies we've got news of impending recession Uh, i think that it's fair to say that 23 there's some pressure on marketing budgets plus We've got this weird thing where AI and chat GPT are going to be taking our jobs <laughs> and we have these budget cuts. It's all doom and gloom. And, all doom um, and gloom. Yeah. And we hear this phrase that recurs over and over again as marketers that we have to do more with less coming from the exec team. And I also quite like the fact, and you raised this, obviously, when we were preparing for this being the American of the two of us, that it's Groundhog Day. <laughs> so, so I think that's a, I mean, it's a great, um, a great uh, reference that you've made here. This is like a bad dream that keeps coming back. How often, and we've been through a number of recessions, and you and me have been around the block. Oh, we have been, once or yes. twice. Mm. Um, so it, we keep hearing this phrase, do more with less. And we probably will need to do that in 2023. What say you, Jeff?
3: Well, it, um, it, the, as I remember the, the movie Groundhog Day, which is, yes. which is somewhat separate from the fact that there's a groundhog that pokes his head up and says, whether it's, yes. you know, we've got a more winter or more spring coming up. But as the yes. movie is, you know, it's like, it does, there's this thing that keeps coming back that, that, Uh, ultimately is to teach the main character a lesson, you know, is is, this supposed to be a learning experience if I keep doing this over (laughs) and over again. And, and you're right. I mean, having been around the block for more than a decade, um, you know, I've been (laughs) through, I've been through many, it's time to do more with less uh, uh, periods. And um, I think the important thing that, you know, for us to talk about and kind of find some lessons is that, when 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 you when you get that edict that comes down um uh you want to be you want to be prepared to not just focus too much on short term easy ROI investments yeah. you want also be able to make sure you protect your long term investments so you know just because we need to you know hit certain revenue figures and there may be pressure to generate leads and opportunities that doesn't mean that brand building uh customer loyalty building you know those sorts of things which tend to have a long tail in terms of the, the outcomes,
2: that we yeah. we can't stop doing those things. Right, right. And um, so... Um... Where was it? Where? where, Oh yeah, the other thing is Groundhog Day. Yes, you've got to separate out the actual Groundhog Day from the movie. The movie is where he has he relives the same day every 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 day. Every day. But is it too is it too early for uh, the groundhog to have actually popped out and made his predictions yet, Jeff? I mean, do do you have a prediction of what? The summer's going to be like based on you the know groundhog?
3: I I well see there's there's a couple of problems one is the groundhog is in um, Punxsutawney Pennsylvania and so the weather right. in Punxsutawney Pennsylvania is not going to be the same weather we have up here oh, in New I England see. so yeah. so he's got a whole different perspective uh, <laughs> and then and then with global warming you know it's like. You know the idea was that if he saw his shadow, meaning it's more yes. overcast, then that means that spring's going to come earlier, you know, six weeks right. instead of whatever. so yes. So global warming has thrown that all into a tizzy, uh, and and I don't think we can depend on groundhogs anymore. Wow, okay, another, <laughs> another victim of global
2: warming. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. The, the <laughs> groundhog's ability to be, Anyway, I, I took us on a tangent there. I was just curious about whether... You definitely, you whether, definitely whether, did, but that's whether, fine. Because <laughs> I remember when we lived there and there was like, you know, there would be a big thing on the news about the groundhog and what he was predicting. So um, so what you were saying there, in, and also um, I've been writing this a bit about this. It's an article that's going to come out in cms That's not out yet. But you're saying the advice here is that... Even if we have to shrink down what we're spending, you're saying that don't focus on the short term and the easy things, but try and keep up with the hard things, the brand building and stuff, right? Absolutely. So, it's
3: like there's some traps. There's right. some traps in doing more with less that you got to avoid. Yeah. And um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the
2: thing is, is the, but the challenge, I'll challenge you a little bit on this, is it's so tempting because um the the issue is is you know what we're going to hear from the the c-suite is this is the most important quarter in the history of the company or we just need to get some revenue and leads and the short-term stuff to get us through this difficult period stop everything everything's got to be lead gen and stuff like that what how do we avoid that temptation and resist all of that
3: well, I think there's there's a couple of things uh, yeah. and that you you can do, and I think the 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 first thing uh, I mean because one of the traps um, is is that you know you com- you maybe have some competitors that are actually positioned to do more with more, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and you know there are lots of companies that have done well in down markets, you yeah. know because they go they go they capture market share they actually literally capture market share um you know there's some certainly in the consumer space like airbnb there's some in the tech space like slack whatsapp i know yeah. i worked at companies where our value proposition was all about uh, cutting waste um mm. you know so mm-hmm. we loved recessions i mean yeah uh, selfishly we loved recessions because it was like we knew we had a message that people in their hr yeah. departments and their labor whatever that they would say oh okay I need to invest in that because that's going to help save me money. Um, yeah. And so you want to make sure that if you're in a market where you may have somebody who is well positioned to grab share, um, mm-hmm. you want to know what your situation
2: is. Right, right, right. So, um, yeah, so if you're competing with well-funded competitors who aren't feeling the pinch quite as much as you you've got it, to be aware of that and make sure that you're 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 putting all your effort you can into that and then the, i think the other thing there you were saying about um where it, so did these organizations you worked for did they shift their value proposition to be relevant to recession or it just so happen that that in those times their core I think in um, their core message just just resonated better. I think in those
3: times their core message res- resonated, yeah. and they and they were uh, profitable, well funded organizations yeah. that could right could basically not they could avoid the the knee jerk reaction about we need to cut yeah. marketing and and you know as yeah. as mark as we've talked about many times marketing is viewed as an expense or a frill yeah. or something like yeah. that, and in good times the budget starts yeah. to grow. Uh, yeah. And so it's like the the knee jerk reaction is to say, okay, now yeah. it's time to like you know uh, trim back but, the sales. Uh, <laughs> we don't need you right now. Um, and so I think one of the the things that you want to do to to prepare to understand what your competitive mm-hmm. position is is to do a, a you know SWOT analysis. You know where you know strengths, yeah. weaknesses, opportunities, threats. So it's like yeah. you know, so you could tell the executive team. Yeah um you know here's what the situation is and either you could say don't cut my budget because <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, we're yeah. going to we're going to get hit or you just help focus your efforts to ensure you're doing what you need to do to maintain maybe maintain the the mind share while you're trying to mm-hmm. get market share mm-hmm. uh determine what programs can you know ensure that you're you're building trusted relations i mean one of the things right. we talked about i think a month ago was you know protecting what do you do to protect yeah. your existing client base so this becomes yeah. really important if somebody is out to to grab them and if you yeah. if you do you know win loss analysis then you get down into the specifics of you can see what competitors are doing and if you do it on a regular basis which is which is certainly best yeah. practice then you yeah. can you can actually see when the competitors are going into that attack mode and what yeah. and or what trends are, are are helping you lose right. or helping right <laughs> or giving you or making right. you lose deals so
2: you can really just right. jump on that all right so that's the first so the fir- the first step is to get an understanding of what the competitors are doing particularly keeping an eye out for those that may be better funded <laughs> and we need to focus on that and then maybe we need to pivot a little bit of investment into retention of customers and making sure that we're we're, we're keeping those relationships going. Okay. So what's your, and, and so what's the second thing that we should look at? Second things?
3: one is is you should drive efficiency in, within mm-hmm. the marketing department. so you can divert yeah. you know there may be spend on technology, there might be spend on contractors, um, and you mm-hmm. want to make sure if you're trying to retain budget for your brand investments that it's like, okay, well let, let me find where I can save money. Uh, And because we're looking not just to save money, but to drive efficiency, I want to be able to see how I can get better results. And most marketing departments don't like to do an analysis of, you know, productivity, how well they're working. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it's not viewed as, you know, kind of a creative endeavor. It's kind of viewed as, I don't know, it's, it's, um, you know, process optimization is something that gets done on the manufacturing floor. It's not for us marketers. And uh, and I think that's a that is a tremendously missed opportunity. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's really something that um, a a CMO should be should be focused on in advance of when you're getting into these times of having to do more with
2: less. I think. Yeah. And I think that's important, because one of the things I was thinking about when you cut budgets is we tend to cut external spend and and cut campaigns. And that is going to have a disproportionate effect on the return on investment right yep so you need to try and drive keep as many of those things in play and do them as efficiently as possible so try and look at your operational costs right yep absolutely yeah 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 that's cool and so So, how would you how would you how would you approach that well i think
3: there's there's i mean there's a couple of um a couple of ways to approach it um one of the ones we've we've talked about You know, many times before, because we talk about Martech a lot, is to do a technology assessment. So, you know, audit the users, or 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 you know, follow a kind of a process like your lead gen process or whatever, and say, you know, what's what tools are um, impeding efficiency. Mm -hmm. I I want to make sure I pronounce that right. You know, what's broken? (laughs) What's underutilized? You know, maybe wasn't implemented right, or for whatever reason, it's not being used. And the, the other way to approach it, you know, cuz you got technology and process two sides of a coin, yeah. is you can do a process, yeah. you know, gap analysis. So, you know, how can I if I'm if I'm trying to get certain results, like I'm trying to get yeah. certain throughput from the creative services team or I'm trying to make sure yeah. my digital team is working effectively, my website's being updated, you know, yeah. do a um, you know, a process gap analysis cuz you're trying to find out, you know, are the customers of these processes uh, getting, you know, what they need and are they getting it in a timely approach? And I mean, there's a number of ways to, you know, do these kinds of process gap analysis. And this is one of those things that it's like, well, who helps me do that? Um, you know, so maybe you get somebody (laughs) from your ops team, uh, to actually, and actually work for a company that had a process optimization office, which was always helpful to go in and say, so creative services, people complain about it.
2: Can you help me figure out how to make it better? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and I, it's, it's interesting because coming from a MarTech background, I completely understand the tech assessment thing. But I think that process thing sounds fascinating. And I think that, I mean, in a large marketing team, particularly how hard it is to optimize creative, I think that's an interesting thing to look at. So that's, the, that's your second step. So we've got to look at where we can make operational and technology efficiencies. And I know there's lots you can actually gain from that. What's your third tip on this? The third tip is to don't lay
3: off staff that's going to be needed in the future. So mm. so the unfortunate, you know, thing when the uh, execs come down with the edict to do more with less and and, yeah. and particularly if it's cross company, it's like okay, yeah. we got to cut staff, you know. So yeah. this is the ideal time to, you know, you know, sh- shed people or that that are not yeah. um you know, we maybe the people are underperforming. Maybe we don't think we need the roles or whatever. Yeah. And so, you know, you cut staff to, to save money, but, you know, it may be, it, you know, the roles may be necessary. So that's where you got to putting your long-term mm-hmm. thinking cap on mm-hmm. and saying, okay, you know, you're going to get out of the do more with less yeah, uh, yeah. era at some point. So yeah. what are roles that I absolutely need? And I I can't be in the the position of having to um, spend more money to rehire and onboard yeah. later. Yeah. And I know, you know, it's like I've had to use, you know, cut staff and then you use program dollars for contractors because it's like, okay, well, I, heck, <laughs> I needed yeah, yeah, to do yeah. this stuff. Yeah. And so now I'm going to a contractor or an agency, yeah. which may, in some cases, well, with the contractor short term, Mm. Is gives you flexibility and lowers um, the yeah. overall budget long term, you know, unless you are end up hiring those contractors <laughs> for the full time yeah. role, you know, yeah. is is kind of cutting your nose off to spice your face. And and then, you know, with agencies, it's like, OK, you're going to pay the overhead to an agency yeah. to do the work that you actually had people on staff to do. Yeah. So it's a bad result from uh, short term thinking, which just
2: happens so often I, in, uh, in yeah, organizations. I think. And I think that mix is interesting because I think, I think that could be a whole nother topic for when we get together in the studio yeah. on time, because I think that sometimes if you outsource too much, you actually don't have enough people to manage the agencies and contractors well enough to get the output from the agencies and contractors, right? You need to, I mean, it, it, ideally yeah. you want an agile ma- marketing team that consists of a good blend of agencies, contractors and in-house staff. Plus I think some, sometimes it's better to have an agency on board because of their skills, right? And, and because they have lots of clients and can they bring to the party, but you've still got, you still need people to manage them. It's an inter. It's a interesting balance because
3: you know, (coughs) excuse me. It takes people to manage the agencies, and so then, okay, now you know I've I've got skills in agencies that I didn't want to have on staff, but now I have people to manage the people in the agencies, and then and then you know you realize that you're not actually, you know, you're not you're not actually saving anything certainly over over the long run. So so I think what you know what you want to what you want to do is is to you know, do, you know, some sort of um, you know, gap analysis of the skills. You know, it's like what yeah. skills do I do I have, what do I know I need, what can yeah. be outsourced, and you know, really kind of frame it in a way that you're understanding what what decisions you may have to make in the short term, how they're gonna play out in the long term, what do I need? If I'm gonna be investing to get skills, I wanna make sure that I'm not letting those people go that I yeah, could yeah. actually upskill later on.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's a good opportunity, like you say, to do a skills gap analysis and really take this up. I mean, it's like a a crisis. Um, You should never. What's the right phrase? You should never waste a good crisis. Yes. (laughs) I think at this point, it may be a really good opportunity to do a quick skills gap analysis of your team and look at where maybe there might be. The, the ability to be more flexible in that way, so I think it's interesting, yeah. so what's your full, and I'm, because I've got the notes, I know you've got four tips, so what's <laughs> your fourth <laughs> tip? <laughs> well, this
3: really relates to the uh the first or the last one I should say is that you don't you don't want to cut training and enablement from your staff budget, and this is i mean i just i've I've seen this happen. Many times it's like okay, yeah. we we've hired people, particularly is like we hired people to run our technology, like our marketing automation mm-hmm. platform and our CRM system, and it's like okay, they need to go to the vendor conferences, they need training, they need you know yeah, they need yeah. to be brought up, and it's like okay, oh we got to do more or less, okay we're cutting the training from the budget, nobody's traveling anywhere, nobody's going to yeah. do anything, uh, because it's often thought of as you know kind of frilly, um, yeah. And we need to save the campaign or the CMO pet project, which, you know, in some cases we, we do need to save it. But, you know, yeah. it may be, again, thinking long term, it may be cheaper to upskill team members yep. than it yeah. is to, you know, certainly fire and hire
2: uh, yeah. in, in the short term. Yeah. And this is very related to your last step, isn't it? So yep. it's that it's the understanding the skills that you have on the team, right? Yeah
3: you know and from that gap analysis find where you can up level the current staff yeah uh you know through through training and it's um yeah anyway it 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 is it's yeah. i mean these things are tough because as you noted earlier it's like the you know the the pressure is often on marketing because of the expense it's viewed yeah. and so uh the, you know these are battles that uh, a good CMO just has to be prepared to fight
2: yeah, absolutely. And th- but with the realism that you know the the future of the company does depend on being um financially solvent, right? And absolutely. So, you know, we do need to take our fair share of the hit, but it but it, absolutely. We can't just you can't say oh well we're going to cut this amount of marketing and then expect the same sales results or the same results to come out of it, right? So yeah. And, and also, I heard the dreadful term that marketing is a tax on on Reddit. Sorry, tax, not heard it on on, so, on social media. The other day, it's like, God Almighty, aren't we past that? Anyway, <laughs> so that's, that's what, so. So when we're so uh, just to just to summarize, so when we're facing this pressure to do more with less, we should look at what our competitors are doing and making sure that we're focused there. We need to make sure that if we do have a well-funded competitor out there who's going to be grabbing. Um, mind share of the market when we can't afford to, we m- make sure that we double down on make sure our own customers are happy, right? Yep. We need to drive efficiency. Now, I thought this was really interesting about the efficiency thing of, of not just technology, but our own internal processes. So that that that's interesting too. And then this whole business about people—it is so particularly in North America, right, where you've got at what's it called at will employers, employees, yes. isn't it? Yeah. it the yep. labor market is so much more fluid that you could let somebody go that in six months' time when this whole thing blows over, you're desperate that you wish you'd had them back, right? Yep. So I think that's a really good point. So, so again, thank you very much. Very, four great tips there. I don't know why you didn't go for F in five, because we always have to you
3: know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> If Actually, if any listener, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's others out there, but if any listener has one, uh, feel yeah. free to send it in, and uh, we could do a whole show on it. Because one of the... I mean, the other thing about this is just that you, you don't want to be in the position where it's like, "Shit, we got to cut, we got to cut yeah, you know, yeah, people yeah. and money," and we and and so now I don't have time to like do a process gap yeah. analysis. So, yeah, this is really just part of oh, what should be standing operating procedure. Uh, yeah. Is like I'm constantly working yeah. at how I can be more efficient and do things well, and yeah. and and under and have a clear idea of on the reins when I have to pull back something, I can yeah. I can pull it back while not. Uh, that's such a it's such a good
2: point it's such a good point and even in the good times right it's such a good point because there's always the ceo or somebody will come in and say let's do this and if you aren't on top of your shit And you can't say, well, if we do this, we can't do this. Or if we cut that, then it will cause this. You know, you have to have all of these things right in play. I think that's a really good point. All right. so, So we've done the weather. We've done the topic for the day. Our third agenda item is what song am I playing out with today, Jeff? A favorite of mine from 1985,
3: Shout <laughs> from uh, Tears for Fears. Um, yes. Because their, their chorus is, uh, these are the things I can do without. And so, oh, again, having an idea about what you can do without, while well, not sacrificing your future. Yes. Yes.
2: Yeah. No, I love it. So I'll play out with uh, Shout by Tears for Fears from 1985. And most importantly, well, for me anyway, are you going to be in the <laughs> Well, I'll let you, you back in. Yes. I'll let you back in. <laughs> Thanks man, I'll see you then, bye. Jeff. And that was, of course, Shout by Tears for Fears from 1984. And if you are looking at reviewing your MarTech or your marketing processes, why not give Jeff a shout? You can find all his contact details in the show notes at rockstylecmo.com. Right time to go backstage with my guest Izzy House with over 20 years of experience in public affairs outreach and marketing. Izzy is the author of two books on space marketing and is the host of the Space Marketing Podcast. With this extensive marketing background and three marketing degrees she turns the lens of marketing onto the space industry aiming to be a voice that helps guide businesses through the concepts of marketing to empower space companies and further their dreams of space exploration. Izzy is a member of the marketing podcast network community. I really enjoy chatting with Izzy. Hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome, Izzy, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you?
1: I am doing fabulous.
2: Fantastic! Love to hear that. And the thing, the reason why I think it's fantastic to hear that you're fabulous is because I know that it's six thirty in the morning for you. So I'm, <laughs> I'm delighted for you to join me so early because. You're in Kentucky, aren't you, Izzy?
1: Yes, I am, yes.
2: Yes, and and you're talking to me before a full day of work, so that's wonderful, thank you very much. But for people that don't know you, Izzy, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I am a space nerd and marketing nerd all wrapped up into one. (laughs) I have been in marketing my entire life. When Mm -hmm. I was 16 years old, I would be thinking, why do people do what they do? And I did my first logo before I even knew what a logo was.
0: Nice.
1: So I I have always enjoyed helping people. I've Mm -hmm. worked with probably about 600 plus businesses. Mm -hmm. And um, most of them are small businesses, mom and pops type of situations. Some are organizations and bigger. Mm -hmm. But uh, I have had a wonderful time. And Mm -hmm this next chapter that I'm on is is I am well, having a blast and pun completely intended
2: <laughs> well we'll get on to that at the moment um, and I know you through the marketing podcast network We're both men um, both uh, both our podcasts are members of that network as so that's the right way we're putting it so let's start with your podcast tell us about the space marketing podcast
1: well let's go back a little bit further into how it began <laughs> In 2018, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I was sitting there at Kennedy Space Center looking at the space shuttle Atlantis. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I'm not going to give anything away for those of you that have not done that. But if you have an opportunity, it is amazing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I'm standing there and my heart felt like it was going to beat out of my chest. And I was crying. Because mm-hmm. it's a very, very emotional uh, exhibit,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then the, the the thought came to me that I could combine both my passions, mm-hmm. my passions for space and my passion for marketing, because mm-hmm. I was looking for something a little different at that time. I was I was right. back in school, and you know, marketing had changed a lot, and so I was looking. Okay, what does chapter three look like for my life? <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: and um. And it was that moment that I did that. Well, I started going to conferences and started meeting people within the space. I mean, keep in mind, I went from zero Mm. just going, "Ah, I want to do this, to, okay, let's start getting it done. And getting to know people, well... Decided after I knew people for a little bit that a lot of the people in the industry reminded me of one of my first parts of my career. When I first began doing marketing in San Diego, I Mm -hmm. was part of what was called an environmental technology incubator. Mm -hmm. And so I was a support tenant. And here's all these geniuses, geniuses. (laughs) that have these amazing inventions that will help the planet in so many ways, and they don't think they need marketing.
0: Wow! They
1: think that if they have something, the world will come yeah. to them,
0: and
2: <laughs> most of those I companies,
1: you know, yeah. they died.
2: <laughs> well, I tell you, um, I've spent my career in B2B tech, and it's not just that particular category where people feel that. <laughs> there's so much of... If we build it, they will come. You know, this is the best thing. This is the leading product. Why isn't anybody buying this? Well, they don't know about it. There's no marketing. We don't need marketing. We need more features. That's what we think. I love that.
1: Yes. Yes. So when I started getting into space, I started Mm -hmm. noticing some of the same mentalities. Yeah, yeah. And we went from two countries having space programs, which was us and Russia, Mm -hmm. to the last count was 77 Countries wow. now have yeah, space yeah. programs. Yeah. So we've gone from a very few people that all they had to do was woo NASA and maybe an investor or two yeah. to now they're competing on the world stage.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: you do a moonlander. Well, guess what? You're not the only one that does a moon lander. Mm-hmm. And so marketing is going to have to be important to these people if they're going to actually make their products survive. And yeah. uh, so that's what prompted me to write my first book is I, I saw this. So my first book is kind of a primer in mm-hmm. it and it's basically a primer for anybody. You know, I was in small business my entire career.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, if you're just an intre- ent- entrepreneur, mm. it is it fits you, but it's told through the story of space, which I, mm-hmm. I think is interesting yeah. You know, story, uh, you know, space is an amazing backdrop of ex- adventure and excitement. Mm-hmm. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: I have, a, I have a lot of real world examples of all the stack tactics and strategies, but then I t- took this fake company that I created rockets <laughs> are us. I didn't want, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to use a real name. Mm-hmm. And, uh, every time we go through a, a strategy or a tactic, I show how it's applied. Yeah. Because it's hard to show that with your case studies unless, because a lot of them don't even realize when they applied it. Mm. So that way you can kind of see how it works. Yeah.
2: And okay. then I,
1: I finish up the book with how to hire.
2: Right. Yeah, <laughs> you've preempted most of my questions there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. That's great. Well, certainly dig into some of these things. Well, one of the things I think is interesting about what you just said there is that is that I think a lot of people won't realize this, that there is now a market of space. Right. And therefore, when there's a market, you need marketing. So you need that ability to stand out in that market. I think that's really interesting. And um, when I before I started listening to your podcast, I didn't really recognize that. And I thought that, to be honest with you, I thought that your podcast would be about, um, you know, space as a kind of a, as an example of as, as a, you know, like I'm rock star CMO, like so we make music analogies and all this kind of stuff. So I thought it would be about marketing, but with a lot of space analogies. But it truly is about marketing space projects, which I think is absolutely fascinating. I think it's it's a great line to get into. Anyway, right. So let's get. So we've got to up to almost to the to the, to where you are today. But if I rewind um, and get back to the marketing part of your passion, um, and you've had a great marketing career, uh, and you started as a creative director, and you talked, you mentioned the fact that you designed your first logo when you were a kid. What is that? What inspired you to choose marketing as a career? It's just been in you since the beginning.
1: It has been in me. Yeah. I mean, at 16, I would be like, why are people buying what they're buying? Yeah. And I was just so fascinated with the psychology of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My mother, when I first told her I wanted to go and, and, and back then it was advertising, it wasn't yes. marketing. Yeah. You know, that's what we called it. Same thing, but different name. And she was just horrified <laughs> that that's what a, that cr- she was a hippie. Mm -hmm. Um, from the sixties. So she was just horrified that I would do that. And, um, when I went to school the first time and and I was in the incubator and I was still in school, I was getting my associates. I showed her my portfolio, which I was one of the top students in Mm -hmm. the the school. It was the advertising arts college in in La Jolla. Mm -hmm. And the look on her face was, oh, my God, my kid does junk mail. Oh no! <laughs> so <laughs> she was just, but she loved me. She was my mom, so she yeah, was supportive. Yeah. But um, she just didn't get this thing <laughs> that I was yeah. in. <laughs> and you, and you got to know my parents. My parents, my my mom had a ring in her nose, and
2: <laughs> wow, they
1: all had t- tattoos all over them. I yeah. was definitely the one kid that nobody understood.
2: <laughs> it's, it's almost the opposite of rebellion there, isn't it? You sort of yes. <laughs> join the man. Well um has uh, did that get reconciled? I mean, she must be proud of the career that you've had, right? Especially
1: Oh, she stuff. always loved me yeah. no matter what.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right, so that's the beginning of your career and you actually studied marketing, which is excellent, which a lot of us didn't um but when i look through your linkedin as i do to prepare for the show and i do a bit of stalking i've got to ask you about one of your gigs the sheep and goat development office maybe i shouldn't laugh this is probably a serious business but tell us about that what do you do at the sheep and goat development office
1: well and i will be honest with you after you gave me a, a little tickle on on the fact that we would be talking about this okay. i could not remember how I got that particular client. <laughs> and it was a pretty major one. And mm-hmm. I had a blast. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It was, it was a fun gig. And, yeah. and um, they, the, the gentleman that I worked with, he just let me just do anything that I wanted to. Nice. And I was able to really be creative. Yeah. And uh, I got to meet a lot of very interesting animals
0: <laughs> and
1: uh, I got to meet alpacas and llamas yeah. and yeah. goats, you know, and sheep and, <laughs> you know, llamas. Llamas were the, the, the most interesting out of yeah. all four of them. And they have no regards for your personal space. so i'm sitting there taking pictures of alpacas which are looking at me like i'm going to spit on you (laughs) You yeah they're 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 just they're not being very friendly and here's this llama looking at my camera with his head right next to mine wow they just had no regard for personal space (laughs) and sweet as animals 200 pounds i mean they're not small yeah and um so they they were wonderful and You know, my first experience with sheep, though, was over in Britain. I I lived there for three years. And (laughs) we were driving around, and you don't bob your sheep's tails. Right. So all these sheep have long tails, and I'd never seen that. So I have all these pictures of of sheep's butts because it was so fascinating to me that they had tails.
2: <laughs> on, on a similar note and and i like and perhaps trying to you know, get be a bit more serious i like that um you also created the hoof print magazine or hoof print magazine you probably say hoof i don't know hoof uh hoof print magazine which is which is core core content marketing and i love content marketing and i love this kind of thing and and doing this kind of publication creating useful stuff for your audience was that tell us about that that was that what motivated you with that i mean that was Probably back at the, that's probably before content marketing really kicked off, wasn't it? When you did that?
1: Well, and then that was one of those things where the mm. person I was with, he just let me do whatever it is I yeah. wanted to do. Yeah. And so we created that magazine. Yeah. We also created a, uh, a calendar, which mm-hmm. we went around taking pictures of goats and we would <laughs> highlight a goat uh, yeah. every month. And I took something that cost them thousands of dollars to print Mm -hmm. and changed it into a vehicle where it was adding more value by having some advertisers in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And it ended up paying for itself.
0: Wow. So So I went
1: from a cost to uh, something much nicer.
0: Yeah.
2: And more
1: fun. And more information.
2: Yeah, I like, I actually like that paid story. them yeah the, the, I like that story because that's the that's the, that's what people are talking about today is how can we turn our content marketing into you know there's there's one stage of it which is if it wasn't there would people miss it and the next stage is if if they had to pay for it would they which is interesting or would advertisers do that and the other thing is it is your whole content marketing function, a value to somebody else like you say like to an advertiser or you know and then we become media publishing businesses don't we within our organizations and I and you did that ages ago and that's really interesting that you went through that and then turned it into a profit center which is amazing
1: well one of my favorite books of all time I have a a quite a few but uh is killing marketing by Joe Pelizzi. oh yeah I know that you have him on here but it that that yeah. transformed my point of view yeah. it really yeah. did yeah. that I'm we can checking. make money at this content thing
2: yeah yeah um I, I have and that
1: provide book. value
2: yeah i have that book and it's actually um joe polizzi and robert rose and it's robert rose who yes. i have on the show but yeah um but also i mean if you read content inc by joe polizzi same thing same kind of model right is is turning content becoming a content um co- content creator like and um, and um, and uh, Content was written way before the current you know, terminology around content creator and stuff like that, but about how to make money with content—it's really interesting. So you followed that, anyway. i've We've gone down a, a rabbit hole, I sh- and probably the only animal we haven't mentioned yet. So, there you go. Um, <laughs> but recently, um, you've you also, and we talk. I'm always talking about marketing education on this show and whether people should have it and what people should do. But recently, you did a, a master's degree. Um, how did you find that experience? Going into that, you know, having had the career that you've had and the education you've had, and now choosing, I think. I think it was what, a couple of years ago. You chose to, to to have a do a master's degree. Is that something you'd recommend? How was that experience for you?
1: Well, when I got my first degree, it was mm-hmm. in the 90s,
2: <laughs> and right.
1: we had had a digital revolution in the mm-hmm. 90s where everything was digitized. You know, you yeah. went from stack cameras to digital printing, and it was just a big revolution. And, and yeah. the, the internet was starting to really take shape. Yeah. Well. Then two thousand seven happened with the mobile phones, and we mm-hmm. all of a sudden we had social media, we had the mo- going mobile, and the industry really changed. And people you know, were kind of at a loss. A lot of the advertisers were like, "Oh, what was working before isn't mm-hmm. working now,"
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and I could see that as well. And mm-hmm. when I decided to look at what chapter three was in my life my son i had to homeschool high school so i cherry picked a couple customers and and then worked with them while we were homeschooling
0: yeah
1: and then once he started he graduated i'm like okay what's next and Mm -hmm. i'm like you know the industry has changed so much Mm. i'm going to go back to school so i went back to school and i got my bachelor's and i was valedictorian
0: Nice
1: and uh and I, I got my master's, and in a bit of a brag moment, but I was top in my class for both of those <laughs> degrees, and um, and I am so glad I went back to, mm. because things had changed so much. And
2: one of the things... yeah, sorry. One, I think that's interesting because you wanted to get current, but one of the in, but one of the things I sometimes hear about marketing education it struggles sometimes to keep up with what's the latest that's actually going on in industry. So was your experience very much that actually this school were right on it and, and they and they, they were aware of exactly what's going on right now.
1: For the bachelor's yes yeah it was yeah. I went to full sale which is down in, in Florida and mm-hmm. they were spot on. They yeah. introduced me to things that even having been in it for the, the amount of time that I had been in mm. I was unaware of.
0: Yeah, so, yeah.
1: it was like a brand new door, and I was yeah. loving it and soaking yeah, it up. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. The
1: the masters, not so much. Okay. Not so much. Right. Um, in fact, I complained a few times because they had me doing things, what was it, for, I was reading about Netscape.
2: Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm yeah.
1: like, uh-uh, no, no right. I'm not here yeah. to learn about Netscape. Yeah, Netscape yeah. is dead.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's yeah, move yeah.
1: on.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um. But uh, yeah, the, the, that was pretty much just getting a piece of paper. But the bachelor's was amazing. Yeah. So I thoroughly enjoyed that.
2: Yeah, well, congratulations and congratulations on your success there. And it It sounds like uh, there's kind of a, a mixed uh, experience people are having with, with marketing education right now, right? So it sounds like some of these courses are excellent and some of them maybe are a little bit behind. So, But as for... <laughs> Learn about Netscape. Good lord! All right. So, um, uh, what I was going to do right now is then go back to space. We've kind of talked about how you connected this passion for marketing with the, with the topic of space and this it, 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 this this moment you had of at, at JFK uh, Center and seeing the space shuttle. So I think that's really interesting. Um, and we've talked about your podcast and that space needs marketing. What are the, in from your sort of day job and your experience and working and talking to space marketers, what do you think are the challenges right now for people that are actually marketing space, as it were?
1: The biggest challenge is that they haven't had to do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're in the, the soda market, you know, yeah. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, you have been doing marketing the whole entire time. You're yeah. very familiar with it. You're, you're really getting into marketing operations and, and yes. really delving deep into all the nuances. Yeah. And a lot of this, these space entrepreneurs, they're engineers that came up mm-hmm. with cool projects.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they know how to make an engine, but to talk yeah. about it, is yeah, yeah. just a completely different creature. So yeah. that is the biggest challenge is is talking about it. And this yeah. is one of the reasons why uh, the second book was born. Well, mm-hmm. the first book was born because I wanted a PhD in space marketing. <laughs>
2: yeah, right.
1: And so I did a proposal
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I got told no. I got told, I don't know what to do with this.
0: Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, what I
1: got yeah, told yeah. from one of the space schools. And... um so then I'm like, I can make that a book. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is in the middle of COVID. So I I created a book out of it. And the podcast was born because I started seeing a problem with spaceports. Mm -hmm. And there was one in particular that they were just, they were not doing a good job of marketing. And it ended Mm up turning really bad. It was, it was really bad because Mm -hmm. they weren't marketing. And so I started writing a book about spaceports, but yeah. I wasn't able to sit down and, and have the interviews I needed with people mm. because it was just one more Zoom meeting. Mm. So I'm mm. like, and then I, Jason was encouraging me to be, at, to do the <laughs> podcast. So I'm like, yeah. you know, I could do both. I could get my yeah. interviews
0: yeah.
1: and do this podcast thing. Yeah. And it, it wasn't as clear cut as that. No. I have loved it. And... um but I, yeah, and all of a sudden it's different when you have a podcast.
2: Yeah, I love it. And you're the,
1: getting promotion out of it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I love the way you've tied that together. And I think a lot of people are doing that with their podcasts, aren't they? It's a vehicle for, it's as as part of their rest of their sort of content creation or, or work or what they're doing. You know, there are people that use their podcast to, to interview prospective clients, right? So they can start getting, they can network with prospective clients. And there's people like you using it for research or people like me just using it to talk to interesting people, not really sure what they're doing. But yeah, that's kind of where it is. That's really interesting. Thank you. We've kind of come up to time. Um, it's fascinating to talk to you. It? It's always lovely to talk to you as well when we're working together on the, on the Marketing Podcast Network and we get together around that. It's fantastic. Um, so what's your new book called? Just to make it sure is Space
1: back. Marketing, Spaceports.
2: Right, good. All right. So I'm going to get on to our final question. We have a regular feature, the Rockstar CMO Swimming Pool, our portal to marketing hell where we throw all the bullshit snake on overhyped trends that plague this industry we love. What would you chuck in there?
1: Oh my gosh. I have seen a trend that has got me just so upset and and it's really hurting our jobs and Mm. uh, as communicators. It is these these, uh, stalkers on Mm. Facebook. You know right. where you have comments on a post, right. and then somebody comes and, and only talks to the female, um, wow. female comments and say, "Hey, yeah. I'm I'm a nice guy. You look like a nice girl. Let's get together." Yeah. And yeah. then, then you know, I was talking with uh, some ladies at the bank, and yeah. they have an elderly lady that's lost thirty thousand dollars. Wow, from one of these dudes, and wow. um. And it's just, and then they do it on every one of your posts. So you spend half the morning cleaning and hiding wow. all of these, these wow. comments. And then I've noticed where a lot of the the women that were always very active posting, they're mm. not there anymore.
2: Wow. Yeah. So, and I, yeah, yeah, I've heard as well that it's not just on. And what a serious issue. I mean, this isn't about marketing. This is about our society, isn't it? And i have um, it's just an, another outlet for these kinds of people, for the scammers and for the creepy, creepy men out there. I have to say men, because it is men, isn't it? Um, and I, I hear that women have the same experience on LinkedIn, even, that, that people are inappropriately reaching out to them. I like your profile photo, all that kind of stuff. And so women are starting to hide their profile photos and behaving differently on social because they're they feel vulnerable like that that's a terrible thing so
1: well and and it's not just hmm. I I saw I got rid of one the other day that was on hmm. all of our comments to the men and it was a wow. woman so you know it's just yeah, and it's yeah. the same it's a copy paste thing and it's just um yeah.
2: You know, well yeah I mean just, men yeah that's uh, true I mean this is <laughs> wow what an issue we've got ourselves into it. yeah but that's the same I mean men are getting scammed by by by, by women on the scammy or side or pretend women sure yeah
1: they might not even be free or uh be even what they expect it could be a bot yeah Yeah. so
2: oh good lord well i mean that is the that is by far the most serious thing we've had thrown in the pool and and i think probably something that is beyond the conversation of my little show but but what what an interesting topic thank you very much Izzy.
1: it is rubbish Um, it is yeah, rubbish that needs but, to go in the pool <laughs>
2: it is but and um and, and uh, just to lift the mood again finally when people spin the dial on the interwebs izzy where are they going to find you
1: well I, my website is house. Mm-hmm. i was able to get the dot house instead of the dot com so it worked yeah. and i'm on linkedin i love linkedin
2: yeah until the scammers and creeps come along but anyway uh, it's been <laughs> lovely talking to you Izzy what a serious question there but hopefully yeah I love the bit about the the goats and the lambs and, and the barring that I'm going to focus on that as the rest of my morning <laughs> otherwise uh, I'll be depressed but anyway that's been fantastic Izzy and I look forward to speaking to you very soon have a, have a lovely rest of your day and thanks for talking to me so early
1: oh my pleasure thank you for having me
2: <laughs> bye bye Thank you, Izzy. Space marketing is a fascinating topic. I enjoy her podcast and I'll include all her links in the show notes. Plus, you can find her podcast and over 30 others at marketingpodcast.net. Right, it's time to wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. As I mentioned at the beginning, after 141 consecutive episodes, I broke the streak and screwed up scheduling my friend and content marketing guru Robert Rose this week. So I find myself alone in the bar. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that Robert normally suggests a cocktail, I make a gin and tonic, and he then suggests a place we should be transported to and drink them. So I think this week I will transport us to the home of a single business traveller, the International Hotel Bar. And as our conversation turns to the topic of marketing, one of the things I love about Robert speaking and writing is he shares client stories. So let me share a cautionary tale that Robert shared with me recently, linked to the theme of what Jeff and I were talking about earlier, As we all finished our 2023 planning and as budgets feel the pinch and we consider maybe what we should cut and what we should do more of. Robert's former client, who is in industrial safety products, sold directly to consumers and other businesses and were doing almost zero marketing. They decided to build a marketing team, hire a bunch of people, get the campaigns going and all the things. SEO, digital paid ads, PPC, print, PR, some content and email campaigns. And it worked. At the end of the first year of doing this, they grew remarkably with a 600% increase in online sales. The CFO is impressed. He wants to understand which of the campaigns and tactics performed and which investments provided a return and asked for an audit. They do a campaign analysis and each one was flat or slightly underperformed at a campaign level, which for the CFO doesn't correlate with the increased sales performance. So they dig a little deeper into each department and tactic and ask them to analyse their efforts. The analysis showed that they should have grown by 2,000%, not 600%, as basically everyone's attribution model claimed credit for sales. Aside from highlighting the challenge with multi-touch attribution, the CFO concluded that individual campaigns may not have worked, but marketing does. As marketers, we probably all have stories like this. Clearly, attribution is an inexact science, and we need to be really careful with that, especially if we have siloed teams and reporting. But it also shows that marketing is cumulative. Each tactic influences the whole. And we need to recognise what a former boss of mine, Grant Johnson, shared on this show once. That we need to think about marketing contribution rather than attribution. Hope you enjoyed that thought and a little rant of mine. Don't worry, Robert will be definitely back in the bar next week. But if you missed him, go check out his podcast with Joe Polizzi, This Old Marketing, really good one this week. Or check out his work at contentadvisory.com so that's a wrap on episode 152 of the rockstar cmo effing marketing podcast i'm sorry if you missed robert this week but thanks to jeff and izzy for sharing their insights and to you for dropping a dime into your and jukebox selecting our track and driving along Please let us know what you think. You can contact us through our website, rockstarcmo.com. Catch us on the socials. We are Rockstar CMO just about everywhere. Or leave a rating or review in your favourite podcast app. Or (laughs) just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. (laughs) Next week, Jeff Clark will be back in the marketing studio. I go backstage with the author of the smart branding book, Dan White. And I promise you, Robert Rose will be back in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Until then, have a great week, and I hope you again join us here next week on Rockstar CMO FM.
1: This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.